0: this mic if we need to. Praise the Lord. Am I? There we go. All right. I can get real loud if I need to. Amen. Well, good morning, High Desert Word Center. It is great to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord. It looks like we're getting this thing called Winter in Barstow. I don't know if you've heard of this, but apparently it's a thing. And uh, they, they they do it yearly on the East Coast. And so it is cold, uh, but praise God, it's going to be warm in here uh, as we get together and celebrate Jesus today. But it is awesome. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, let's stand up together this morning. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith. Over the United States of America, amen. And we're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Someone say amen today. All right, let's do this. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. Hallelujah.
2: All right, well,
0: we're gonna take a few minutes here and do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a high five, fist bump, handshake, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets the love today. Let's go. got a nice hug in there. And if you're not a hugger, well, most of us are, so sorry. <laughs> but anyway, praise God. Hey, I just wanted to say it's been already an awesome weekend here in the house of the Lord. Uh, who was at the marriage event on Friday night, man? That was fun. Yeah. Great Y'all are turnout. crazy. Yeah, there's some of you are a little, you know, a little out there, but it was cool. We enjoyed it. Then the men's meeting Saturday morning was an excellent men's meeting, getting to study the word of God together. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so excited for all the great things going on. Amen. But Pastor Katie's got some other good things going on here. So
3: yes, and I should go right there, but I'm going to talk about the men's meeting for just a second. You men, can we just tell you how much that we absolutely love you? Okay. We just really, really, Check really out. love you. And I'm so grateful for you. So sometimes we we forget that our family has grown so much. And so we go into like a group or a thing and we think, oh, you know, there's going to be like five or ten people show up and it's just whatever. And then you all crazy people all show up the n- night right after marriage when we thought <laughs> maybe you were out too late. And you all showed up. Anyway, thanks for bringing the Frosty's donuts. I didn't get any. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you had a good time. Amen, Speaking amen. of that, ladies, women's is coming. Ooh, let's go. Women's is coming. Yes. So, that's like four announcements down, but I'm just going to go there right now. Sorry, Maylee. I always ruin it for all of our media people. <laughs> it's never in order. We're so grateful that you serve the Lord. Anyway, there we almost there. Yep. There it is. There it is. Okay. Women's meeting is coming at 630 this Friday. You're going to bring a signature dish. Signature what that dish. means is what you're best at. Ooh. So the thing you love to eat most, the thing you make the best, you know, as that kind of As long as it
0: involves meat, you can bring it. Okay. That's meat. the only requirement. Yeah.
3: He's not going to no be vegetarian there. vegetarian
0: dishes, right? No. Oh, okay. <sighs> oh, that's the women's meeting. My bad. My bad.
3: Listen, he, like, gets to make requests for all kinds of events. My request is pies. You should bring a pie. Bring a pie. There I love go. pie. Pie's good. Anyway, okay. there's that. Um, cheesecake? Cheesecake is acceptable. his thing. He, again, Pastor Dave will not be at the women's meeting, friends. I don't know. You bring the right food, I might. <laughs> Terrible. Okay, we're gonna be studying Deborah. We finished up Ruth and we're going to be studying Deborah who is an amazing woman of God in the Bible and us strong women. We're gonna go learn about that and eat some real good food together at 6.30 Friday. So make sure you come, bring a friend. It's a good time and it's what you do when you need friends and you cut off the ones that you shouldn't be hanging with. You know, like the friendships you should not be at the bar with. Since you're not going to the bar on a Friday night, you should come to church, bring your friends. There you go. It's good. Yeah. We act like those people but with no substances. Anyway, okay, men's Bible study, moving yeah. on. Saturdays at 6:30 at Raymond's house. Yes, which is wonderful. Raymond and Tim handle that. Uh if you don't know where Raymond lives, It says here, everyone knows where Raymond lives. lives. If you don't know where Raymond lives, this is Raymond doing the live stream right now. So you can stop and ask Raymond where he lives. Anyway, um, we also have the beginner Bible class going on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. in the admin building, which is the building across the parking lot here. And we have children's ministry training coming. We are aware that it's last minute. Okay, we know that we're telling you last minute. But here's the thing. We need to do some communication as a team. And so we want to take the policies that we've had for years and years and talk about those and get your feedback on what's working, what's not working, and at that same training we're going to have some classroom management training and some special needs training so all these things that we've needed for the last two years are going to be included at this so i am aware it's last minute i am aware it's a long day we're going to feed you oh it's fine there you go breakfast and lunch are both provided it's free to come We would really appreciate it if you would be here. So it's going to be in this building 9 to 4, Saturday, February 10th. If you serve in any capacity in children's or youth at all, I really, really need you there for about a 100 reasons. So if you can't be there, if it's like impossible for you to be there, I need you to stop me today and tell me that it's impossible. And we will do our very best to get you the information outside of that training. But if there's more than a few of you, if a bunch of you aren't coming, then I'm just going to start crying. I need you there on the 10th. Anyway, there's that pitch. Now, Easter's coming. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And so the first thing that we're doing for Easter is getting our Easter production together.
0: Yes, we're doing a play this year.
3: And for the yes. first time in a very, very long time, we are doing that production on Good Friday. Yes. So we'll get to have a Good Friday service, and that will be wonderful Then there's also a city event going on that Saturday that's going to be super fun. And then Easter, family Easter, like normal here. So that'll be really great. This year, we were doing the mathematical calculations for how many eggs that we need. And according, (laughs) for us to have an egg hunt here, according to the numbers that we always use, and the increase in the amount of children that attend here... We need 4,000 eggs.
0: Let's do it. Come on.
3: So <laughs> so what we're asking you is, anytime you're at the store, just buy a dollar pack of eggs, okay? Just buy some eggs. eggs. Um, what we're working on this year, too, is being able to reuse those eggs so that we're not asking you for like 10,000 next year. Yeah. You know? Because have you ever seen those churches that do like the million egg hunt? Yeah. I don't want to hit that, so let's just save the 4000 okay? Save them. Yeah. So if you buy eggs, then also stop by the next week and buy candy, okay? Yes. We're going to try to give out bags this year instead of candy and all the little eggs. So when you go home, you don't have eggs and paper all over your floor. That sounds good. Yes. Right. So we're working on a system for that this year. <laughs> so if you would please start bringing in some eggs so that we are able to hit that 4,000 and we're able to reach out and bless people. Amen. We will have, by the 18th of February, some invites out for the Easter service so that you can start inviting your friends and your family and your neighborhood as well. In addition to that, yes. water baptism is coming Baptisms,
0: up. Baptisms, everybody. Yes. Yes.
3: We're super, super excited about that. If you have asked the Lord into your life, surrendered your life to him, and you haven't yet been dunked, Yeah, let's do it. I want to dunk you. Yes, it's awesome. That of course symbolizes us rising up to new life and your public display of the fact that you are living for Christ now. So if you will sign up as that clipboard comes around or if you miss it, it will be at the info booth after service. We want to celebrate your new life with you. Amen, amen. All right, well, hey, we want
0: to welcome you this morning. If you are with us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, we have a welcome packet and a gift card for you. So if you could slip your hand up real quick, our welcome team is going to come around and give you a welcome packet. There's a lot of you here. I don't know if any of you are first timers. So anyway, praise God. But uh, we, we we welcome you to High Desert Word Center. And uh, if you get that card, uh, fill it out after the service, take it to the info booth. And they've got a Dutch Brothers gift card for you in there. And now I see hands going up everywhere. Uh, yeah, no, put them down, put them down. All right, listen, you were here before I was born, brother. Okay. (laughs) No, literally he was. He literally was. All right. Okay. Praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it is happy time. And you're like, well, what's that? That means it's time for our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9 that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we get cheerful uh, when we get a chance to give back to the Lord. If you need an envelope this morning for your tithes and offerings, you can raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Mrs. Pastor is going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings right now. Amen. All right.
1: Good morning, everybody. Hey, Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave, I need to grow. This is too hot. I need to grow.
0: I
2: know. Believe me, I
1: don't like this. Okay. Man alive. Whew. Well, hallelujah. Are you all here? And you know you're here? Okay. And you're awake? And you're alive? And you're joyful? All right. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. Say it louder. Say it even louder. All right. Jesus heard at that time. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, this this morning, it's not this afternoon, it's not this evening. This morning, if you'd open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7, we're going to be looking at two different addresses today. Verse 8 says this. Here, so that would mean like on earth, right? Here, or you could narrow it down, say, at High Desert Word Center, or even in the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, anywhere there's a church. Here, mortal men. Mortal men means people that will die someday, receive tithes. So, mortal men that receive tithes on earth here are pastors of local churches, okay? And it also goes on to say, but there, which is heaven, he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now flip back over to Mark chapter 12, verses, I'm in the New King James, by the way, um, do, 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 wrong spot, Mark chapter 12 verses 41 through 44 says this. Now this is about the widow's two mites. Now listen to what Jesus is doing. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. You know what? I think he still does that today because it just got through saying in Hebrews chapter 7 that there... He receives them as well. So I think that he knows whether we're tithers or not. I think he knows whether we give offerings or not. It's, it goes on here to tell us that he saw that the rich people threw in a bunch of money, but he said that the poor woman put in all that she had, which was just two mites. So this must be talking about an offering because a tithe is 10%, whether you, you know, 10% of whatever you're, you're, uh, gross income is and an offering is what you purpose in your heart so this young this this widow and these rich people they threw in a bunch of money they had a bunch but she put in everything that she had so hallelujah but you know what Jesus said assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the Treasury for they put in out of their abundance but she out of her poverty put in all that she had for her whole livelihood. Praise God. So Jesus knows. He sees. Here we receive them. There he receives them. Amen? Everybody understand that? Cool stuff, huh? Awesome. That's called God's Financial System 101. You may stand up and we'll say our financial faith confession this morning. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
4: Okay, as we worship together, go ahead and drop off your tithes and your
1: offerings, and
4: let's stand at the altar and let's praise the Lord together on today. Amen. Let's stand. The night What in the place to have hide-
5: rocks cry out to worship whose glory taught the stars to shine and perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing but this joy is mine let's sing with a thousand With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Who else would die for our redemption Whose resurrection means our rise There isn't time enough to sing of all you've done But I have eternity here to try with a thousand hallelujahs we magnify your name you alone deserve the glory and the honor and the praise lord jesus this song is forever yours a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more Sing, who else would die? Who else would die for our redemption? Whose resurrection means our rise? There isn't time enough to sing of all you've done. But I have eternity here to try. With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. Let's sing this together. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord, to the Lamb, to the King of Heaven. Thank you. the glory the honor and the praise lord jesus this song is forever yours a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more
0: praise the lord thank you jesus you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, we love you. And we can say that you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all honor, Father, that we can give to you. And Jesus, uh, we just want to lift you up today. You said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I would draw all men unto me. And so, Jesus, we lift your name high today. We honor you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you've done in our lives, Lord. And we just, our, our hearts today is say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me for your purpose and for your glory. And so Jesus, we give our lives as an offering and a a sacrifice to you. We love you and we praise you. You are so good, Lord, so much better than anything we could ever deserve. We love you. Have your way in this service today. In the name of Jesus, we say amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. He is good. He is good. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way to your seats there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it's great to see everybody today. I'm glad a little bit of a little sprinkle didn't scare you away from coming to church. That's a good sign. Amen. You know, uh, it was funny a few weeks ago they had that football game where it was like negative 15 degrees and there's all these maniacs without their shirts on beating their chest for their God and I'm like, what in the world? (laughs) So if people can endure that, you know, praise God, we could be at church even when it's a a freezing cold 55 degrees in Barstow. Amen. God's good. The Lord's so good. Hey, we're going to be getting into the word of God today. Who knows what we've been talking about in the year of 2024? Anybody know what's up? The harvest is great. Amen. And so our theme verse and our vision and our target for this year is Luke 10 and verse 2. So let's turn over there this morning. We'll open up to that Luke 10 and verse 2. And if you need an outline for the message to follow along, you raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Amen. If you didn't get one on the way in, hallelujah. Who's excited for the word of God today? Oh man. This is the highlight of my week, as being here on Sunday morning in the house of God together, studying His Word, being with the family. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. So Luke chapter 10. And verse two, and you, a lot of you should know this by now, but here's, uh, what Jesus said to His disciples that day. Verse two, He said, these were His instructions to them. The harvest is great. Or, or we could say the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. Hallelujah. And so this is, I mean, this is what we are basing our year off of as a church is that the harvest is great, but there's just not enough people doing the job for Jesus. And and so, you know, if you're in the business world or, or whatnot, you know, I, I don't understand these your business very well, but I do know this much. If there is so much harvest, eh, think about it this way there, there's more customers than you can take care of, right? The, 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 the demand outweighs the supply, so to speak. And so Jesus is saying there is no shortage of hurt and broken and lost and blind people in this world, but there is simply not enough of my followers that are out there doing the work and telling them the good news and showing them the way. And that's a problem. And I look at it back then. If the harvest was great 2,000 years ago, have you looked around our society any time over the last 10 years? The harvest now is explosively huge. There is no shortage of lost people. But who in here, you know the answer to life's problems. Have you found it? I got two of you out of a couple hundred people. That's not good. All right. We need to preach today to help you out a little bit. Who in here knows the answer to the problems out there? It's Jesus. It's Jesus and his word. And so, you know, as we've discussed over the past few weeks, we kind of turned a corner last week in the direction we're going, and I'm going to continue that. Last week, we asked this question, what will it take to bring in the harvest? And so we discussed, first of all, last week, faith. It's going to take faith to do what God is calling you to do. And it's going to take faith to to do what God is calling us as a church family to do and now this week the second thing we're going to say is this is what's it going to take it's going to take love it's going to take love it's going to take the love of God to bring in the harvest that he is calling us to bring in and so you know sometimes I take for granted that everyone just knows this but let's just repeat it listen you 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 and you and every one of you you have a purpose for your life you are not an accident. You are not just here wandering around on this giant rock for 75, 80 years, and then it's all over with. Check it out. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have a reason that God put specifically you onto this earth because there's some things that he needs you to do that, that he can't have someone else do. He needs you to do it. And so you need to take this very real. I don't know. Oftentimes we talk about something like this and everyone's like, yeah, that's great, man. Get out there, Pastor Dave, and preach to the world, man. You can do it. I'm not looking for me to do it. (laughs) I'm looking for us to do what God has called us to do together. And there's things that you can do that I cannot do. All right. And there's things that the person beside you today can do that nobody else in here can do. And so you're going to have to take it seriously that God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life. And the sooner you find out what that is and the sooner that you begin doing it, the better off your life is going to be. I can tell you that right now. Amen. And so we're going to talk about love today. Love in two regards, okay? Number one, love God. Number one, love God. Who in here today, you could say, hey, check, I love God. This isn't, I'm not setting you up. Legitimately, you could say, no, I I do. I may not know a lot, but I do know this much. I love God. And everything that we do in life has to be motivated by our love for God. You know, your parenting, your your everything, working your job. You do that, you know, praise God, you need a paycheck. I get that. But you should be showing up, looking at people through the eyes of God. And you may be thinking, yeah, that's easy for you to say, I work at Fort Irwin. I work at Santa Fe. Man, I work down there at this place. I don't work in the church. Well, I want to let you in on a little secret uh, today that the Bible gives us on how you can be the best employee even at a job that you don't love, all right? They're just going to put this on the screen. You can write it down. Colossians 3, it tells us this, work willingly. The Living Bible says, cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Okay, so guess what? If you don't like your boss, just pretend like you're working for Jesus and you'll do a better job. If you don't, maybe you wait tables and the customers aren't nice, pretend that... The customers coming in and ordering, you're serving Jesus that day. And guess what? Even if they aren't perfect like you are, you will have a better attitude in the way that you do your job. Verse 24 says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. Now, when you view Jesus as your boss and your workplace... As a harvest field, who in here, you know, could say, hey, I work with some people that need to be brought into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Not everybody, you know. That's not a sound, that's not even funny. That's a real question. I mean, you could say that I work with individuals that need Jesus because we all do. Well, when you view your workplace as a harvest field, that changes everything. You're not just only going in there for yourself anymore. you're going in there, amen, with the love for God and the love of God in your life. And we understand that, you know, you aren't getting paid to preach out there. Okay. You got to do your job. We understand that, but you can share the love of God. And as the apostle Paul said, he said, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have within you. Okay. And so when you go to work in that light, you are always ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in life. And people should see you and and see the light that's coming out of you. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. What I thought Jesus was the light of the world, well, he said that about himself too in the book of John, but he also said that you are the light of the world. And so you should have so much love for God and the love of God coming out of your life that people see a difference between you and everybody else. Okay. If we show up to work, we should say, wait a minute. One of these things is not like the others. There is something about you that's different than everybody else. I remember in, in uh in college when Pastor Katie and I were in college, uh you know, I, I I had a few uh very uh illustrious jobs. One of them was as a telemarketer, praise God. I'm the guy that called during your dinner and then offered to sell you something, you cussed me out and threatened my life, and then I hung up on you. That was my job. And I hated it. Uh but I had another job and uh it was working at the Dish Network Call Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Also, didn't like that job. Praise God. But anyway, so you know, uh, but but I tried to keep a good attitude. You know, show up on time, do the job, and just have the love of God in my heart. And Pastor Katie did the same thing. And it was funny. Every job we worked at together, she always advanced into management. And you know, here I am. <sighs> praise God. So, uh, but but this guy shows up one day, one of one of my coworkers, and kind of slips me a note while I'm on the phone, and I'm like. That's a little bit weird. Don't usually have dudes slipping me notes, but let's see what this is. So I, I I open the note and and this guy, he's like, You know what? My life is broken and I just want to tell you that I see something different between you and Katie than everybody else here. Can you talk to me after work and tell me what makes you guys different? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's easy. And so, man, I talked to him after work, prayed with him, led him to the Lord, got him going to church. Hallelujah. And, and so, but what's the thing here? All right. It's this, is that when you show up to work and don't just say, here we go, another day down there, uh, hating my life, blah, blah, blah. No, when you show up to work and see it, you know what? Lord, I'm going to pretend like those customers, that's Jesus calling into the call center. He wouldn't cuss me out and threaten my mom, but that's okay. Jesus is, you know, I'm going to pretend that it's Jesus. And I'm going to see my workplace as a harvest field of broken people that need him. When you do that, it changes your attitude and it changes the way that you do your job. So we're talking about Love for God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. Can we go there this morning? Matthew chapter 22. And we'll spend most of our day in the book of Matthew here. So let's flip right over there. Matthew chapter 22. That's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22. Praise the Lord. So this morning was our first, uh, Bible beginners class. I was so excited. Rosalinda taught that. And I know a lot of you guys got to go in there. And, uh, and so if you're interested in that, uh, I just want to make a quick plug for that because with so many people are either new to church, new to, new to the Bible and, and to, and to the Lord. Well, I get this question all the time. And, and a lot of you do too, like, I want to read the Bible, but I don't understand it. I don't know where to begin. And so that's why we're doing a class like this. And so that's something that you may want to consider on Sunday mornings at 9 to 9.20, 9.30. All right. So Matthew 22, and we're going to look here at verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22 verses 36 through 40. Teacher. Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Well, there was 613 uh, laws, <laughs> so that's, that, there's a lot to choose from, or you can narrow it down to the Ten Commandments. But which is the most important? Well, check it out. Uh, he, he says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Alright, and so as a New Testament, as a new covenant Christian, you have two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This summarizes all that was taught in the law and the commandments. And and why is that? Well, easy. If I love God... I'm going to honor him. I'm not going to use his name as a cuss word and use his name in vain. If I love God, I'm not going to put other things before him. And if I love people, I will not steal from them. You understand that? I mean, that's terrible to steal from somebody else. That's awful. That means you don't love them. Uh, uh, If I love other people, you won't kill them. I've never killed somebody that I love, ever. Ever. Well, I've never killed anybody, to be honest, but I'm just saying, like, check it out. If you love God and you love people, that summarizes all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You could just write this verse down. I'm not turning there. But Romans 13.10 tells us that love does no wrong, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Love does no wrong. So love fulfills the law. And so I'm going to tell you this morning that we need to love God. But I want to put this caveat in there. I want to add this word. We need to love God properly. We need to love God the right way. And I I add that word. I add that phrase to our love for God because I have found out that Certain words, love being one of them, nearly everybody has their own made-up definition of what love is. You ask, well, what does love mean to you? Well, love means that everybody treats me right and shows me the respect that I deserve. That's love. Gee, chill out. Okay. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, ask somebody, love means when I watch a Hallmark movie and get the feels and that's just, oh, that's love. Well, that's a romantic love, sure. Uh, and so everybody seems to have their own made-up definition of what love is, that's fine. That's cool for you. But I'm only interested in what God's definition of love is. And so, especially in the New Testament, uh, we have this Greek word that's used in most most of the instances where you see the word love in the New Testament, it is this word agape. And so this is an unconditional, no strings attached love. That's how God loves you, okay? So the best person that's ever lived, okay, God loves them just as much as he loves the rest of us. Uh, God's love for me doesn't depend on how good and perfect I am. He loves me even if I'm a scoundrel. He still loves me. Now, of course living a good life for God will certainly uh, open the door to blessings and a much better and fulfilling life. But I'm not going to earn God's love uh, just by, you know, doing a bunch of things where he loves me anyway. Either way, he loves me. Amen. And so how should I love God? Should I love God so much to the extent that he does exactly what I want him to do when I want him to do it? Should, I, should should I have strings and conditions attached to the way that I love God? No, I need to love him Properly, the way that he deserves to be loved, and so Jesus kind of gave us a key right here. Uh, he, He said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. This is this is telling us the right way to love God, and really, what the standard that Jesus is referring to here is what Hebrew and Jewish people call the Shema. And these are verses that you know Orthodox Jewish people pray these every morning and every night. And I want you to see what Jesus was talking about, referring to Deuteronomy chapter six. Okay, let's flip way back to the beginning of the Bible here. Deuteronomy chapter six, and we'll look at verses four and five. And so Jesus made reference to how we're supposed to love God. All right, and so if Jesus said, "Hey," You need to do this, who thinks that we should look it up and see what in the world he's talking about here? I mean, I want to do what Jesus said to do. I want to do this the right way. And so we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all right? So Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 5. And this is The Jewish Shema. It says, this is this is the instruction. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And so who in here knows that there's one God, all right? You should not have more than one God. And say, well, this is the God that I go to church on Sundays with, and on Monday I worship this. That is not a good idea. Don't do that. So the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Here it is. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This is what Jesus was referring to. And so let's real quick break this down so we can see how this applies to us. He says, first of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, is he talking about the organ in your chest? No, he's talking about your spirit. And so most of the time, nine times out of 10 in scripture, when we see the word heart, it's referring to our spirit, meaning the innermost core part of who we are. Love the Lord your God with all that you are on the inside. And so how do we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, or we could say all of our spirit? Well, the first number one step is to receive Jesus into your heart and and love him as your Lord and Savior. Who knows what I'm talking about today? Amen? And after that, the next steps that are vitally important are to connect with Jesus every day of the week. If you love somebody, okay, we'll just switch back to our natural earthly definition of love. Uh, If you love somebody, don't you think you ought to connect with them every day, I talk to my wife every single day. If I'm out of state or she's out of state or somewhere else, I love her so much that I find a way to still get a hold of her and talk to her. There is not a day that goes by out of the last 22 years that we have not talked to each other. I remember in high school, my senior year, we took this senior trip. and I, I don't, we Anyway, we went out to the my senior class. We went out by the... Uh, the Ohio River down by Louisville, Kentucky. And and so we rented this cabin, and I, I didn't want to be there, but I went anyway. And so I didn't have a cell phone back then, believe it or not. I remember the world where not everybody had cell phones, okay? 99% did, but I was the one that didn't, okay? And, and so the only way I could get a hold of... Katie, at that time, we were just dating as if I went to a payphone. Well, there was a payphone two or three miles, you know, uh, into, the, into the town there. And so I remember every day on this trip, I got up early in the morning, got some coins, and I walked down to this payphone to call her for a few minutes because I didn't want a day to go by that I didn't get to talk to her. Why? Because I loved her. And so what am I telling you about your love for God if you love him with all your hearts? Don't you think that he ought to hear from you every day? Come on, somebody. This isn't a setup. Don't you think, amen? That you ought to check in and talk to God every single day. Make some time for him. I mean, open the Bible. Talk to him. You should go to church every week. This, This isn't rocket science, but these are things that we do when we love somebody. We make time for them. And now notice that it also says to love him with all your soul. Love God with all your heart and all your soul. Now, we can see through a deep dive into Scripture that your soul is explained best as your mind, your will, and your emotions, and we we can look at dozens of verses that prove this point out. But your soul, you need to love God with, with 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 your mind. What does that mean? Well, I I know that I I need to I don't I don't reach God through my mind, but I can learn more about Him through my mind by studying His Word. That's a great way. uh, uh With all with your mind, your will, and so your will. That means you're going to make some efforts. To love God, like I just mentioned a minute ago. And so, again, today, I, I, you know, I love it that even if the weather isn't exactly what everybody loves, even if you aren't in the mood that day, you show up to God, don't you? You show up because you love him. Even if it's not convenient, even if you're not feeling it, you still show up for God, don't you? You're loving him with your soul. And then it talks about your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I know that this can be the biggest struggle for so many people is to emotionally handle things and stay controlled right there. But I'll tell you this much, an excellent way to keep your emotions in check. Is with, and we preached about it. If you weren't here Wednesday night, we had a humdinger. We had a good service. We closed out at the altar just praising God and having a great time. But what I'm telling you is one way to keep your emotions in check spiritually is through praising and worshiping God, listening to the right music. And some of you wonder why you go around in a foul mood all the time. And I can tell you right now, it's the bad music you listen to. <laughs> don't go there. Well, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, so I'm used to talking to people about bad music. And so (laughs) I'm just telling you, I'm, you know, I don't even ever talk about this, but seriously, some people are like, Pastor Dave, I know it's wrong. I don't say the words, but I always have bad words just going through my mind all the time. And my first question is, can I see your Spotify account? Can I see your, your iTunes Okay, uh, we solved the puzzle, Sherlock. Here's why you have terrible, nasty, hate-filled, awful curse words going through your mind all the time. It's because you sit there with two things in your ears directly pumping the poison into your mind. Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel full of rage? Why do I hate people? Let's just solve this real quick. Why would you listen to stuff like that and then wonder why you're mean and nobody wants to be around you? <laughs> why? <laughs> Let's fix this thing, man. Listen, if you're going to love the Lord your God with all your soul, make some changes. It's time to do a what? Check up from the neck of somebody and figure out what are you pumping into your head, dude. Make some changes. Like, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't do that. I just, blah, 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 blah. When you love God with all that you are, you'll let go of some things that you used to like. I'm just telling you that right now. You'll let go of some things. And so one of the, kind of the teenagers think this is the funniest story ever, but it's time to be transparent to the congregation. Uh, my senior year of high school, I got suspended from the basketball team for a game, one game, and it was this reason. I went to a very strict, very strict uh, fundamental Baptist high school. I skipped practice to go see Nellie perform. Yeah. <laughs> It was Nellie and Little Wayne. And, uh, well, we had a good time. <laughs> After, yeah, isn't that wild? And so we went. They had the big Air Force One dangling over the stadium. And we were like, yeah, woo! me. And it was me and the, the starting center of the basketball team. And somehow the coach found out about it, that we weren't sick. And uh, anyway, boy, we got lit up for that one. They didn't like that at all. And so, but, you know, I have changed my ways that I'm a reformed man now, and I will not skip church for an Ellie concert. You have my word. Amen. You have my word. It was wonderful. So, uh, but then it says this, <laughs> all your strength. What? How do I love God with all my strength? And I believe this is a reference to loving him even with your body even loving God on the physical level. Now, the New Testament tells us in First Thessalonians 5.23 uh, that you are spirit, soul, and body, all right? And so I believe, and I've kind of made this connection, that when he tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength, this is referring to each level of who you are, spirit, soul, and body, And so what's he saying? Love God on all three levels of who you are. So it's kind of easy to see how to love God with your spirit. And we've even seen how to love God with your soul. But how do I love God with my body? Well, I know this much. You can honor God with your body. I can love him by not putting bad things into my body. You know, some things are more obvious and, you know, we don't want to talk about this too much, but we could probably consider some of the food that we're eating as a way to honor God. Um, at the men's meeting yesterday, I was in charge of breakfast. And so the boys got some fruit loops and some of the guys were like, you know, Hey, what's this all about? I said, listen, I told you I was bringing fruit for breakfast. Okay. It's in this box right here, just pour it into your bowl. That's our fruit for the day. And, uh, probably not the best thing for the boys, but uh, we can honor God with our body. Uh, we can honor him by not revealing our body in ways that it shouldn't be revealed to other people other than our spouse. Don't talk about that, Pastor Dave. Don't do it. Well, okay, listen, I know it's not summertime. I usually reserve this speech for the summer, but uh, let's just say it again, boys and girls. Modest is hottest, why don't no one join me? I don't get that. Okay. Well, just honor God with your body. And when we do this, what are we doing? We're showing a love and an honor for God above. All right? And so sometimes we sacrifice some things for the Lord, but we're doing it out of love. Who wants to be closer to God this year? Dude, I do. Absolutely. I need him now more than I did ever before. I need him in my life. And so this is on your outline. God is calling you to come closer to him this year. Well, why does God want you to be closer? Maybe I didn't put this on this. Okay, I did put it on this. God is calling you to come closer to him this year so he can bless you and so he can use you. God wants to have a closer relationship with you. One is because he likes you. He loves you. God wants to bless you. God wants to do some cool things in your life. And another reason that he wants to be closer to you is so he can use you to help bring in the harvest. And so, again, who could say that? I want God to bless me. I'm not ashamed to say that. And I can also say that I want God to use me. And as I get closer to him, these things are going to happen. Now, let's go to point number two this morning. And it's this. We've seen that we're called to love God. And then number two, the second commandment, and Jesus said it's equally important, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who's he talking about when he says to love your neighbor? Anybody. We saw this in the story of uh, the Good Samaritan. Somebody said, okay, Jesus, yeah, I love your neighbor, but who's my neighbor? Is it the guy next door? And he's like, he tells the story about the Good Samaritan and he like, basically says, hey, your neighbor is any other human being. That's who I'm talking about, to love your neighbor as yourself. And now here's what I want to say about this. And it's this, that some of the people that you're called to reach are going to be people you don't like. say it again. I don't think they heard it in the back. Um, Just let me repeat one more. Some of the people that God's going to call you to reach are going to be people that you don't actually like. They're going to be people that annoy you. They're going to be people that are not your personality type. They may even potentially be Cowboys fans, okay? We don't know. (laughs) But there is. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've tried. I have tried to not do that, but it came out today. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, and I apologize. I repent. It won't happen again this week. Amen. Okay, but I just want to tell you this much, that in all honesty, some of the people that you're called to reach are going to be people that you're like, God, I don't want to talk to them can 't stand her i can 't stand that guy. You know what they said, and listen, you may be the very one that God is going to use to reach some people, and so on your outline here, the most important thing that you are called to do as a Christian is to love people, but it 's also the hardest thing <laughs> that you are called to do. Has anybody noticed that that god 's called you to do a lot of things, all right? This is the most important because he already told us that, number one, love the Lord your God, and then he said, there's a second commandment for you, and it's equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is absolutely the hardest thing that we're called to do. Now, listen, as we look at these two commandments, I would say that loving God can be a sacrifice and a challenge, but at least he's lovable. Anybody? You know, I mean, at least like I get it. He's lovable. He's been nothing but good to me. How could I not love him? He's awesome. He's incredible. He's given me everything that I have. He's given me the air that I breathe. But there's plenty of people in this world that are not lovely and lovable. Some of them aren't very likable. But regardless of that, I Am called to love my neighbor as myself, and so i 've prayed about this and thought about it and, 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 I, and I came to this that even if you 're really struggling with someone and you can 't just love them because of all of their great qualities, love and forgive them out of your love for God. if for no other reason I can love and forgive because I love God so much, and he asked me to do it if for no other reason, I can do this through his strength, because I love him so much. And now I want to go back to the book of Matthew chapter 5, and I want to quickly look at a few words from Jesus today on about how, so we've seen how, how we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. But now let's look here at how we're supposed to love people. Because again, I don't want to love people based on my own terms and standards and definitions. I want to love people based on God's definition of what love is. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look here at verse, starting at verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38. So we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Matthew 5, and starting here at verse 38, Jesus said, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, that's the Old Testament law. Some of you appreciated that law. But that was the thing. Someone punched me in the eye. Well, I'm allowed to punch them in the eye now. No more than that, but I'm allowed to equal the pain that they gave me. And and then they knock one of my teeth out. Well, it's all fair that I knock one of their teeth out. So that was the law that that was lived by. And then Jesus rolls up on the scene and drops a bomb and changes everything. Right here he says, but I say... Do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And here's where we get it. Turn the other cheek. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. And that's where we get the phrase, go the extra mile. Give to those who ask And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. And so it says, right, you know, Jesus, he changes, he changes everything. All of what he just said goes against every instinct that we have in our natural bodies. And this was a news flash to the disciples too, because they had lived by this law of Moses for all these years. And I think that Peter and some of these guys really enjoyed this law. And so Jesus shows up and like, I know it's always been this way, but we're gonna kind of change things. Have you ever gone into work and you've done, done it one way for all these years and then just one day out of nowhere, they're like, I know we've always done it that way, but we're changing it up now and we're gonna actually gonna start doing it this way. And people are like, oh, that's weird. That's kind of what Jesus did to the disciples. He's like, I know you've always been allowed to punch someone in the eye and knock their tooth out and as long as it was a level thing, but we're not, we're not gonna do that anymore. We changed it. Now if someone slaps you on one cheek, I'm going to need you to turn the other cheek also, okay? Uh, if someone demands your your shirt, uh, we're going to need you to go ahead and give them your jacket. If a soldier demands that you go one mile, just go the extra mile. And I'm sure that Peter and James and John were like, what? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. How's that going to get anything done? Well, listen, this is our commandment as New Testament Christians, and this is how we're to live our lives. This is how we as New Testament Christians are supposed to live our lives. I heard this story about you know way back in like the 40s or 50s there was a successful uh boxer from Ireland that he he converted and gave his life to the Lord, became a preacher, went into being an evangelist and one day he's out there setting up his tent for uh you know a revival and and some young guys come by and they wanted to make fun of him. They they didn't know that he used to be a boxer. And so they're kind of taunting him and trash-talking. Hey, preacher, what are you doing? And, and And he just ignores it. Well, one guy comes up, taps him on the shoulder, bam, hits him on the face. He's like, doesn't say a word, just goes back to work. The other guy comes up, bam, hits him on the other cheek. He quietly takes his coat off, rolls up his sleeves, and says, you know what? I have fulfilled everything that God said to do. I've turned both cheeks. Let's go. And so... <laughs> I mean, you know, take that and do what you will with it. I'm not telling you to, you know, but if the shoe fits, all right? So let's look at the next few verses here. Verses 43 through 45. Now I'm gonna read these ones in the New King James because uh, this uh, there's something that I gotta point out. So verses 43 through 45, same thing here. And then Jesus goes on to say, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust." And so, you know, the same God that makes the sun rise for you every morning is the same God that makes the sun rise for the people that you don't like. We're going to, you know, it's going to rain these next few days. Well, it's going to rain on you and it's going to rain on everybody out here. Listen, it's okay. And so he says something again. I mean, what he just said a minute ago was probably enough of a earth shaking experience for the disciples. And then he goes on, he said, I know that you've always been allowed to just, love your neighbor, love the people that you like, and it was okay to hate your enemies. That's over with now. I'm telling you, you got to love your enemies. And I'm just but they were like, "Oh, oh my gosh. What did we get into here? We have to love our enemies, And so these verses, I, I could preach a whole sermon on this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give you four things right here that Jesus said to do. If you've got somebody that you don't like, and you know you do, okay? We know you do. We see you on Facebook. We know it, okay? And so we know you got somebody, all right? Jesus gave us a four-point formula for how to handle people. And it's this, love, bless do good, pray, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully you, do good. And so love, bless, do good, pray. Nobody wants to hear that, but I'm telling you right now, who wants to be used by Jesus? Amen. Amen. That means that I got to love people that are really rotten to me. And guess what? Jesus, what I love about a good boss is this, is that they will not ask you to do something that they themselves are not willing to do. Jesus isn't asking you to do something that he wouldn't do. You understand that, right? That this man was murdered and even to the very end said, Father, forgive them. God Almighty, forgive these people. They don't even know what they're doing. To the very end. He's not asking us to do something that he wouldn't do. Jesus loves and forgives people that have been very, very bad to him. And let's get real. Every single one of us, at one point or another, have been very, very bad to Jesus. We have not honored him. We have used his name in vain and improperly. We have done things. He tells us to do one thing. We do the exact opposite. And then we get mad at our kids when they do the same thing. I thought I said to clean up your room. And then Jesus says, I thought I said to love your neighbor. I thought I said to forgive that guy. Man, I told you to do these dishes, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Aren't you glad that God is a better heavenly father than we are parents? Come on, isn't he good to us? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes that's super, super hard. And so I heard a story that kind of shook me a little bit and I'm like, okay, okay. And so there's a lady named Corey Ten Boom. You're like, well, that's a funny, strange name. Well, she was Dutch. And her and her family uh, lived in Holland in the Netherlands. Uh, in the 1930s and into the early 40s until Germany invaded. And uh, they were caught hiding Jewish people in their house. Their house is actually still there somehow. But they hid Jewish people in their home from the Nazis. Well, they were caught and then they themselves were sent to a concentration camp. And her and her sister, her, her and her teenage sister, were sent to one camp, and the rest of the family was sent to another. Well, every member of the family died except for Corey. She's a she's a girl. And her and her sister, her little sister, um, were in the same concentration camp, and her sister died there. And it's a, I mean, you can read her story, and it's like just about the worst thing you've ever heard in your life. But... She was a young lady still and survived when the allied forces burst through that concentration camp and rescued all the survivors. And so she was freed. She's a Christian. She begins traveling and speaking and, and telling her story. Uh, after all of this, she's a young lady now. I guess maybe maybe in her twenties or something. But one time in 1947, she's at a, an event giving her her uh, her story and her testimony. And out in the crowd, she sees a face in the back of the room that she thinks looks familiar. And afterwards, this guy comes up and approaches her. And when she saw his face, she remembered who it was. He was one of the head guards at the concentration camp. She said, "Probably the worst and meanest guy there." And she just froze up in fear. This guy killed my sister. What am I? Oh my! What am? Oh! I hate him! I hate him! And she starts every emotion in the world. And he and and this guy is in tears. And he says, "That was a great speech and everything you just gave." Uh, you mentioned that you were at the Ravenstruck concentration camp. Believe it or not, I was there too. And it haunts me. I hate me. I regret everything about it. But you just preached in this message here that God can forgive us and, and, and throw our sins to the bottom of the sea. I want to believe that. But I, the only thing that can help me is if I hear it out of your mouth, can you tell me that you forgive me? And she froze. She's like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do it. I don't forgive him. I hate him. And, 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 and she said, it may have probably just been a few seconds, but it seems like she stood there for hours and she pleaded with Jesus, help me. And she felt the Lord telling her, I've forgiven you every day for every wrong thing that you've done. You're supposed to forgive this guy. And so with every ounce of strength that she could muster, She stuck her hand out and when those hands connected, she said she felt something come all over her body like nothing she'd ever felt before. She said this was probably the most powerful moment of her life. She broke into tears and said, I forgive you. And then she broke down. She said, you're my brother and I forgive you. And she said, this changed her life forever. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if she can do that, how in the world can I not forgive just because you didn't do what I wanted you to do? Or I I took your parking spot or I, you know, I made fun of your football team. I'm so sorry to everybody here. Listen, listen, how can how can I not forgive when? She could do something like that. And so I'm going to give you one last verse today, Galatians 5, 6, specifically in the King James Bible. Galatians 5, 6, and it tells us this, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith, which works by love. How does my faith work? My faith, we talked about it last week, it's going to take faith to do what God called you to do. But my faith works by love. It works by love. I get faith by listening to the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But then for that faith to work, faith works by love. God's going to call you to forgive people that have been dreadfully terrible to you. That doesn't mean you're going to end up being best friends and, you know, hanging out every weekend, whatever. But you are going to be responsible for forgiving people that have wronged you. Nothing is going to go right until you begin to do this. I'm going to tell you that right now. And your faith, who in here, man, you're praying for some stuff to happen. You need some prayers answered. You need some breakthroughs to take place. It's going to take faith. And your faith is is only going to work by love. And so that's why I've told you today that the most important thing you're called to do as a Christian is love people, but it's also the hardest thing that you're called to do. And so if you're here today and you've been waiting for some prayers to get answered. Or you've been wondering, God, what's your plan for my life? All this sounds good. I want to be used by you. I just don't know where to go. Well, you're going to have to begin loving God and loving people if you're going to get the answers that you need. You have to. Well, I thought I had to do this, 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 and this. You've got two primary commandments as a New Testament Christian in 2024. Okay? Okay. Don't, listen, if you're going to try to keep the whole law of Moses, that's 613 commandments, you cannot do it. You can't. Nobody could. Nobody could. And so focus on these two. Love God with all that you are. That means I'm going to obey his word because I love him so much. Jesus said in John 14:15, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And then number two, I'm going to have to love people. Some people, that's not so hard. Some people, that's extremely hard. But either way, I'm still called to do it. And as I start living my life through these two lenses right here, I want to love God. I want to love people. You're going to get answers. You are going to get breakthroughs. Your faith is going to work. You're going to find out what in the world God put you here for. And you're going to do something about it and make something out of yourself for God's glory. Can we get an amen today? Amen. Hallelujah. Give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Well, I think this is a great time for us to get in to communion today. Can we stand up together this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's stand up together. Now, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so we always receive communion together on the first Sunday of each month and this is a very important time to us this is a holy time this is a reverent time and i know the lord's speaking to some of you because i can see it all over your face right now that god's kind of he's kind of tapping you on the shoulder he's kind of knocking on the door right now jesus said in revelation 320 behold i stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice open up and i'll come in and so I wanna give you this invitation this morning and I take it extremely seriously. And it's this, nothing that we've talked about, nothing in life can go right until you take step number one. You can't get step number five and try to put it at step number one. It just doesn't work. Listen to me. If you do not have a proper relationship with Jesus, we have to handle this right now. And he said, like, I'm good with God, man. I, you know, I show up every now and then, give my nod to God, pay the God tax, go on. Me and God, we've got an agreement, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, cool. So you've got so much pride that you just do God on your terms and he, he, he does things according to your, wow, that's really cool. No. You come to God through Jesus the Son. You don't make up your own thing. You do it His way. Amen? And so, I want to lead us in prayer today, and I want to be very real about this, that you've got to make a decision about Jesus, and you're not doing this on your own pretend fake definition of what it is. We're talking about loving God the way that God said he deserves to be loved. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer today. and. This is your chance, man. This is your chance. I'll get around to that someday. Dude, don't play that game. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. I've got a family here and they won't mind me saying this, but man, two Friday nights ago, I had to do a funeral for a 22-year-old girl that died in a car wreck. She, I I feel awful, That, that was the worst thing ever, it broke me. It's a great, wonderful family that I love from our church. Nobody saw that coming. And so here we are, man, I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 60s. Don't take a chance, man. Do not risk and play games with God. You do not know. You're here to scare us, I don't know, hey. If that's what it takes, I hope I scare you to pieces if you'll receive Jesus. And so I wanna lead us in a prayer today. And I'm not ashamed about this, man. I'll flat out, I'm not ashamed about this. There is only one way to heaven. And when you stand before God, you can't say, oh, I was a member of the church, let me in. No, that's not the answer. I was a Catholic. I got, I got christened or baptized when I was three years old. That's not the answer. I'm not putting down on that. The answer is that you believed in your heart and said with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead and then you weren't ashamed about it. You had the guts to let somebody know. That's how you get to heaven. So let's pray together today and we're gonna give you the best opportunity you'll ever have to receive Jesus. Could you say this with me this morning? Father in Jesus name, I believe in your son Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you in Jesus' name. Okay, now I'm making a little bit of a change to how I'm doing this, all right? Can you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, all right? I'm going to give you a chance. Now listen, if you're here and you prayed that, this is your moment that you could say, okay, I'm finally coming to Jesus or more than likely you could say this, I'm coming back to Jesus because I walked away from him. If that's you, could you slip your hand up for just a minute today and then I'm gonna give you the best chance you'll ever have. One, two, three, four, five. Is there anybody else that could say, I'm not playing around, I mean it. Okay, check it out. Six people, I love it. Here in a minute, you can open your eyes. We're going to take communion, okay? Because that's what we're going to do. But after that, when we start praying for people, I'm going to ask you, if you raised your hand, Jose is going to be over here. I'll, I'll tell you, give you instruction in a minute. Jose is going to be over here. I want you to go. Let Jose know. And if you'd like, we'll put you in the spiritual personal trainer program. Do not let your pride get in the way and keep you out of heaven. Well, that could embarrass me. My mom could see that I do. Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me in front of people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me in front of people, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So that's all I'm saying. Don't be ashamed. What we're going to do right now, though, is this. We're going to receive communion together this morning. And, uh, and then... We'll go ahead and pray for you and bless you after that. You don't need to be a member of this church to take communion here, but you do need to be a member of the family of God, and that's why we just prayed that prayer. And so Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship. We're going to dismiss row by row. Come on up and get the elements. We've got a lot of people here today, but we've got four trays, okay? So when you come up here, you can split off, get the elements from any tray. Let's go. One row at a time. Let's go. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, I always say, but I don't want to sin against anybody. But literally, the last person I want to sin against is Jesus. And it says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so we're going to take a minute this morning. And we're going to examine ourselves. We're going to judge ourselves. And notice it says each person should examine themselves. So does this mean it's the perfect time to judge your wife or your husband or your children or the person? No. Judge yourself. Okay. And if God's dealing with you, this is the time that we say, Lord, help me. Help me to quit doing what I shouldn't do. And maybe, maybe you haven't been doing something wrong. Maybe you've been neglecting to do the right thing. We well, can say, God, help me to start doing what you're telling me to do. But we're going to take just a minute this morning to examine ourselves and then we'll receive the communion. And so let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's take a minute to talk to the Lord and examine ourselves. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so this morning, Jesus, we take this bread and we know that this represents your body that was beaten and whipped and broken for us. And you said you were beaten so we could be whole and so we could have peace. We receive this today in remembrance of you. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so Jesus, we take this juice this morning and we understand it represents your blood that paid the price for our sins and gave us a fresh start and gave us a way into heaven. We love you and thank you in Jesus name. Let's give Jesus some praise. Lord, you are good. Amen. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up this morning. All right. And if you're here and you need prayer, we're going to take care of that. Now, this is Jose right over here by the piano, this handsome young man. This is Jose. And if you earlier raised your hand and you're saying, hey, I'm interested in this spiritual personal trainer, this is a 30-day uh, program where we will connect you with somebody from church that will text you some Bible verses and prayers and a devotion every day for 30 days, and they're going to be there for you to mentor you and help you for 30 days and to help you stay on the right track and to help you get started or get back to getting started in your faith. If that's you and you want that, come see Jose right now while we're praying for everybody else. Amen. If you need prayer, let's go. Pastor Josh is gonna lead us in worship one more time.
5: No else rocks cry out in worship. His glory the stars to shine. This joy is mine.
0: the ministry taking place here still. So we'll be reverent of that. But praise the Lord. Did anybody receive the word of God today? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Love God. I love people, and you're well on the way, all right? That's that's so huge for us. I want to remind you that we have service tonight, 6 o'clock. Financial Peace University will be next door. We'll all be in here for the main service. It's going to be fantastic. Service Wednesday at 7, and then next Sunday. Who's going to be here next week? Okay. Every 49ers fan better raise their hands. You're praying for God to bring you through. You better be here. Amen. I uh, <laughs> Then you bandwagon fans of the other team, you know, we'll pray for you too. All right. Praise God. So let's, I wait, I I already apologized. That's my bad. I did it again. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, wow. But you know, 70 times seven, if I'm a, anyway, so let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Amen. And, uh, we'll be here tonight at six o'clock. The Lord is good. Isn't he? Let's raise our hands together. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you that you've never given up on us, Lord. You you surely could have, but you've never given up on us, Lord. You have given us a chance every day. Your mercies are new every morning. God, our heart is that we would love you properly. We would love you and honor you in the way that you deserve to be loved. And God, we choose to love other people, to love our neighbor as ourself. Even if it's hard, we want to do it anyway. So help us in this area. And we know that the harvest is great and you have a plan for each of our lives. Help us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, can somebody say amen today? Amen. All right. We're going to do our Barstow faith confession and then you can be dismissed. Let's say it together. It's time.